Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling is reminding businesses of the Curb to Compost program, which allows businesses, restaurants to have food waste collection. And this is an important next step in your businesses or restaurants recycling program. You're tuned in to episode 173 of the Jackson Hole Connection, recording in the not-so-sleepy town of Jackson Hole right here in western rural Wyoming. Before I begin, thank you everybody who's found this podcast, who's out there sharing it, enjoying it, rating it, giving us lots of stars. I'm excited that you're joining me for a little bit of connection here today, right here in Wyoming. And support for this episode comes from Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling. Want to be a better recycler? Well, guess what? There is an app for that. To be a better recycler, it's called the Recycle Coach app. Now available to Jackson Hole locals and visitors. Additional support for this episode comes from Jackson Hole Marketplace. Visit jhmarketplace.com to peruse our intentionally curated gift basket ideas. And welcome to the Jackson Hole Connection. I'm Stefan Clark Abrams, your host. My mission is to bring you fascinating stories of people connected to Jackson Hole. I can do that because you all get out there and share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, or just sending a share through your texting device. I feel that we all have a story to share and a story to learn from each other. Sharing stories allows us to all learn and grow so we may live full lives. So that's what I'm doing, getting out there, talking to people and sharing their stories. My guest today is Brenda Ashworth. Brenda's an Air Force veteran. She grew up moving around in a military home and now calls this amazing place Jackson Hole with her husband, their home. Brenda is the superintendent for the Teton County Integrated Solid Waste and Recycling Department. Brenda's work is all about garbage and recycling. Well, there's more to what Brenda does for work at the county, but a majority of Brenda's work is about garbage and recycling. Today, Brenda shares with us some interesting tidbit about garbage, interesting tidbits about recycling, how they're all connected and especially being connected to helping us be a community which supports our mission of protecting our wildlife and natural habitat. Brenda, thank you for joining me today on this lovely afternoon here in Jackson Hole in Teton County, Wyoming. Thank you for having me. I appreciate being on the podcast. Well, I think you have an interesting topic to share with us today. And before we get into what exactly you do and contribute to our, our community, I love hearing people's background and history of where did you grow up and how did you land here in Jackson Hole and what's your connection here? Well, that is always interesting. And I like to ask people that too, because so many of us come from out. But I grew up uh, in a military household. My dad was in the Air Force. I was also in the Air Force. Um, and my dad moved us around even after he left the military. Uh, we moved a lot. And I was born in the South and grew up in the West. Uh, the first place I got to pick to live uh, was Boise, Idaho. Um, and that's where I met my husband. And we came to Jackson and got married here. And then about five years later, a job opening came up and we took it and we moved from Boise. And so we've been here since 2002. 
Cool. Thank you for serving in the Air Force, being a veteran. You're welcome. I had a great time in the in the military. It was a lot of fun. That is fabulous. I have lots of friends who are veterans and I appreciate your service. And so you and your husband, after you being in the Air Force, you decided to move to Boise. Is that how that worked out? No, I actually uh, was in the Air Force and then moved to Boise. Okay. And I met my husband after I was out of the service. Okay, cool. And where are some of the cool places that you were stationed in the Air Force? And what did you do in the Air Force? Oh, now that's interesting. Where I went was not. So I was an astrogeophysical data monitor for the United States Air Force. Astrogeophysical. Physical monitor. Data monitor, yes. Okay. So we monitored sunspots, solar flares, the ionosphere, um, and a lot of that astrophysics uh, for the for the military. But I didn't get stationed anywhere interesting. When I joined the military, I wanted to see the world. I volunteered for all overseas duty, and I got to see uh, Texas, Illinois, and Omaha. All of the key places on the map to travel. <laughs> yes, all of the key places. So while it was an exciting and interesting career field, uh, I did not get to go to Australia or Europe or any of the other places that I thought my military career would take me. So. And do you have a, an advanced degree in astrophysics? I do not actually did not have a degree at all when I went into the military. I didn't get my degree until after I was out of the Air Force. And what did you earn your degree in after being in the Air Force? Geology. Big difference between geology. Is there a big difference between geology and astrophysics? I don't know enough about astrophysics. I mean, it's still you're still studying the planet and the Earth, uh, but you're not studying the sun and all of the other parts. So. I, I thought astrophysics was a little harder and maybe I'd stick a little closer to home and just focus on the earth. Well, the earth's important. We kind of need it. Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a lot of interesting processes that go along with that. There are. And so you and your husband came out here and visited and moved here in 2002. And 2002. Yep. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think? Hey, we're moving to Jackson Hole. We're packing it up. And we really love the area. Um, the whole the whole region, Jackson Hole, and I'm also I really love Star Valley, Soda Springs, the whole area. Uh, and so when the opportunity came up, it came across the internet, and he said, "What do you think?" And I said, "Oh, you should apply for that job." And then he got it, and so we packed up and moved. Mm-hmm. And what type of work brought you guys, you two, out here? Well, he's uh, my husband's the director for Parks and Rec. Okay. Uh, and so he had taken a job as the park planner for Teton mm-hmm. County All right. in 2002. And he, I should have him on here. He's got a whole nother project there. <laughs> you should, because his, his projects are also interesting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they manage a lot, a lot of acreage in, in this county, town and county. Yes, mm-hmm. they do. Yeah. So he would actually be a great person to have on the podcast. And share with everybody now what, is your role here in in our community? So my role as superintendent of integrated solid waste and recycling is managing the waste stream for Teton County. If it is recycled or thrown away in Teton County, it comes through my office and our facilities. Okay. And, And that's a big deal 
Yeah, and the community that one doesn't have a landfill, two because we don't have a landfill ships it all out, and right. we have a mission to protect our environment. We have a mission to protect our environment, and and that's why a lot of people are here. They love this environment, and have not having a landfill, we have a large influx of visitors, and that increases the waste seasonally. And managing that um, for the betterment of our community is something that's very important. But I also think it's something that people don't think about very much. Mm -hmm. As once it's in the garbage, they think it belongs to somebody else oftentimes. And Brenda, I think a lot of stuff ends up on the street or the sidewalk, wherever, out somebody's window. And they think it belongs to somebody else versus seeing it and saying, I can pick that up. Yeah. Or or I'm going to leave it in the shopping cart. <laughs> I'm going to leave it in the shopping cart or I'm just going to leave this here for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're really fortunate at ISWR that this community supports our mission so much. But we do have some challenges to overcome. And it's exciting what we have going on. But it is a it is an important mission to manage the flow of trash and recycling out of this community. There's a lot of questions I have for you. Okay. And I was talking to my wife about an NPR segment that I heard recently, and maybe you heard it or have some idea, but it was talking about the topic was returns, holiday gift returns. And part of that discussion was how many pounds of holiday gifts go into the waste stream each year. Did you... Did you hear that episode, that segment? I did not hear that episode. I'll be interested to look at it because and listen to it because that is something that happens significantly around the holidays is the amount of clothing, our textiles, recycling usually goes up around the holidays. Hmm. And there's other waste streams that increase seasonally as well. I think I heard something like eight tons of gift-related items goes into the waste waste stream during the holiday season. That's um, that just gifts. Me. Just <laughs> gifts of all the stuff that people give. And you might say, thank you, and then look at it. And when the person's gone, it goes in the trash. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you you mentioned something interesting about, you know, during the holidays and, and, and clothing. What do we do with clothing? Like that has holes in it. And so like I have two kids. And our kids blow through long pants with holes. They do, yes. So we have several opportunities for, for textile recycling. All of our textiles go to Big Brothers, Big Sisters. They go through the clothing and they take out what they can sell at their thrift store. And so the clothes that are stained or that have holes in them, uh, they get sent to a ragging facility after they're sorted. But there is the situation where even a ragging facility can't take something that is just so worn or stained or it has a lot of chemical spills on it. That just needs to go to the to the trash because a there's ra- a lot of effort that goes into sorting that particular commodity. What's a ragging facility? Oh, they turn it into shop rags. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's no guarantee that it won't end up in the waste stream, but at least an opportunity. Right. You have two opportunities, but if it is something that is just completely trashed, mm-hmm. 
So um, nobody's come up with a way that if something has a lot of holes in it, that it gets recycled into something else. No, not unless it goes to the ragging facility. But but it is one of those things that you have to be careful about when when you're recycling something. Mm-hmm particularly the clothing, because there is a great outlet for recycling the textiles, and that includes the shoes, the belts, the purses. If the big brothers, big sisters can sell it, then they do. Um, And then the ragging facility can also use certain textiles to make rags and that sort of thing. So we have a great opportunity. I, I don't know what the percentage is of material that comes into ISWR that is either sold or turned into a ragging facility. But we have two opportunities to recycle that piece of material before it would become trash. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the dirty stuff to start. The garbage. The garbage. The stuff that technically is not recyclable. And you have the the great task of shipping it out. We do. Um, So through the Taming the Wild Waste and the 2012 SPET ballot, we built a new transfer station facility uh, and we moved into that facility in 2019. And so we have a great facility right now where we can move the garbage and it does allow us to do a little bit of sorting on the tip floor and take out metals, some wood, before that material is transferred to Bonneville County. How far away is Bonneville County for people that are listening? 70 miles. It's a 70 mile one way trip for our garbage out of Teton County. And it gets put into these trailers. How how big are those trailers? They're a standard semi trailer um, and they have a walking floor on them. So the garbage goes into the top and we have a tunnel in the transfer station where the truck pulls in The garbage is then pushed into the semi and then the semi goes to Bonneville County. And when it gets to Bonneville County, they open the doors, the back doors of the truck, and there's a walking floor. So the floor walks the garbage out into the landfill. How many of those trucks on average a day do you, does our community send out? It depends on the day, but average is five to six semi loads of garbage a day. And that's how many? We set a record last June we had 10 trucks go in one day. Wow. That is, we are headed the wrong direction on the road to zero waste on days like that. In 2000, um, so we monitor and record all of our data on fiscal years. So in fiscal year 2020, we moved 32,611.9 tons of garbage. In fiscal year 21, we moved 36,556.5 tons of garbage. That's a lot of trash. That's a lot of trash. And that's a big jump. That's a big increase. When I look at our statistics year over year of the trash that we're moving as a community, typically it would go from 29,000 tons to 30,000 tons to 32,000 tons. We went from 32 to 36 in one year. That's a big, big difference. That is a big increase. And all things constant with people recycling. What do we do with the stuff that's not recyclable? How do we improve what we put into the waste stream? In, in, as far as improving, reducing 
what we put in there? How do we make be better citizens? Well, and that is it. It's reducing what is what you're using. It's being smart about the material that you use. For instance, um, aluminum cans are infinitely recyclable. So if you can pick an aluminum can over a glass bottle or a plastic bottle, then that aluminum is in the system. It's already being recycled. There's a big market for aluminum. And so that is how we can make personal choices and impact that waste stream. And that is really one of the keys. You know, glass is also infinitely recyclable. However, it's very heavy. And so getting that to the recycling market costs costs a lot of money and it takes more to process that where aluminum cans are, like I said, infinitely recyclable. They're lightweight and that in the recycling stream can go on forever. Plastics tend to run out of the ability to be recycled. We recycle number one and number two plastics here, but when you get into the three through sevens, that's when they're starting to lose their ability to be recycled. So they can't be recycled infinitely like aluminum cans. The number on the plastic, what does that signify? Because you just it, mentioned the life. It's, it signifies the type of plastic resin that is that it's made out of. Mm-hmm. And that determines how much it can be recycled? Yes. And, and what it's what the compounds are in that resin and makes it that makes it recyclable or not recyclable. Mm-hmm. Now, why are other communities able to recycle some of those higher numbered plastics versus us not able to? They have different outlets for what they can recycle. Um, oftentimes, some of those communities have the ability to turn those plastics into fuel so they can collect those and recycle them differently. Turn a plastic into fuel. Yeah, they can melt plastic down and turn it back into fuel, into a jet fuel. I had no idea. Plastic is melted down to be made into jet fuel. Yeah, I don't know how they do it, but um, I don't want to say that they melt it, but it is. Um, There is quite a bit of plastic that goes into, that is turned into fuel. Interesting. (laughs) And we have explored options. Um, Periodically, ISWR has been contacted by people looking for our plastics for that reason. But while we find the plastic to be overwhelming sometimes in our community, our community really isn't big enough and Mm -hmm. doesn't have enough of that material, particularly when we have to ship it out to have it be turned into fuel to make it really cost effective mm-hmm. uh, for the person receiving that. They really do need materials from a bigger community. Okay. Now, how far are we sending out the recyclables, the items that can be recycled to be purchased? Where's that market? Well, it depends on the commodity that we're sending. Most of our cardboard goes to Oregon. Uh-huh. There's some mills in Oregon. Our aluminum cans, they go to um, Alabama. We have um, commodities that go everywhere. And it just depends on who's purchasing them and what they're using them for. Alabama is the place our aluminum is shipped to? Yes. Hard to imagine that there's not another place closer than Alabama. You know, it's interesting that that is where, and and we shop our commodities. And what I mean by that is when we have a full load, we have some brokers that we use to sell the recycling. Mm -hmm. And so we'll put out a call 
that basically says we have a load of aluminum, we have a load of tin cans, you know, what's the price? What can you give us a picked up price on this? And that's how we we sell our commodities. Except for the cardboard, we do have established relationships with mills in Oregon that that recycle the cardboard. Okay. And and how much of your budget comes from the money received from selling those commodities? It's about 20 to 25 percent. Wow. Is that seems like a lot. I mean, being in business, um, are other communities selling their commodities at that high of a rate of their budget? Um, I'm not sure about that. Um, One of the great things about our community is we are a source separated community. Everybody puts the recycling in a separate bin. When you start to commingle your recycling, it takes a lot more to, to separate it. And so one of the reasons we have been successful in selling our commodities is we have a low contamination rate. And then you really lose the opportunity to to get a higher price for your commodities. Mm-hmm. And and it, I'll use the example of um, the tin cans versus aluminum. We do separate our tin cans and our aluminum. That can all go to scrap metal, but we get a higher price for aluminum. That's pure aluminum because the the end user really wants that aluminum to be able to turn it back into an aluminum can. But if we mix that with tin, then it's a different end market for that. And it doesn't have quite as high a value. Hmm. This is an interesting world about garbage and recyclables. It's fascinating. It's fascinating what happens and the recycling markets, um, you know, they've rebounded quite a bit from where they were two and a half, three years ago. But like I said, one of the reasons we've been successful in our community is because we haven't commingled our recycling and it does demand um, a, a higher price because of our low contamination rate. Hmm. Okay. And I'm, I'm curious to know in, in the world of garbage, when things go to the landfill, what happens to it then? Well, it stays there. It is in the landfill. It gets compressed. Um, uh-huh. So we take a semi-load of garbage to the landfill. They have big equipment, um, compactors, that they, once it's emptied onto the ground and in the landfill, they move it around, they compact it. They're trying to compact as much garbage into a landfill cell as they can so they can maximize the space of that garbage uh so it's it's a pretty intense process once it comes to the landfill as well i mean if you think about some of the big loaders they have sheep's feet um, compactors that they run over the garbage with uh, and move it around so they can maximize the space in the cells because a landfill is pretty expensive to build and you have to have a liner under the landfill you have to compact as much garbage in there as you can. And then every day you have to cover it with soil or what they call alternative daily cover so that you can avoid windblown litter, other vectors, the birds, animals getting into that waste. So it's a pretty intense process once it comes to, gets to the landfill as well. Have you, you've, I take it, been to one of these landfills and see these? Yes, I've been to the one that we take our, that Teton County's garbage goes to in Bonneville County, as well as other landfills. My mind just goes that when, I mean, I, I see compacting. When they have this truckload or this mass of garbage and it's getting compacted, 
Mm-hmm. There, there's got to be something that comes out. Is there some sort of sludge or? Yeah, we call that leachate. Leachate. It's, leachate. it's not leche. <laughs> <laughs> it is leachate. Yes, and so most landfills have leachate ponds that they collect the leachate, and it has to be treated before it can be discharged. What do they do with that? The leachate after it's been treated. It depends on what the landfill is doing, but a lot of times it just evaporates and then they have to clean the sludge out of the pond and then they'll put that back in the landfill. (laughs) Yes. So the landfill that we have, the Horsey Canyon landfill that we capped and closed recently, it does not have a bottom liner. So it, that landfill was constructed before liners were required. So our landfill has a top, a cap on it, but it does not have a liner. So mm-hmm. we will be monitoring and managing leachate from that landfill in perpetuity. Who requires that? DEQ, Department of Environmental Quality. We have groundwater monitoring wells that we monitor semi-annually to make sure that we are within compliance uh, and not impacting groundwater. Hmm. But it, it's an environmental concern that is associated with all landfills. Now, because this county, um, for a long time, and a lot of Wyoming and a lot of the West was, you just did it the, we'll say, the Western way. You just yeah. kind of put it someplace. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I've been hiking in some areas of the forest and where a lot of people might have lived at one point where not as many people live now. And you come across some trash that's bubbling up from the ground. You see old cans or other things. Are there some rogue landfills that are out there in this area? I don't know of any. I wouldn't, I would imagine that there are some. Disposing of your refuse that way was pretty typical. Mm-hmm. You know, find a find a hole and dump it in. And if one person did it, then everybody did it. Um, I think the Forest Service, as well as the BLM, Wyoming DEQ, they have worked really hard to make sure that that doesn't happen and to clean up those areas. This is fascinating. It's who knew there's so much to talk about when it comes to garbage. Brenda, we're going to take a quick break to have a word from one of our sponsors, and then we're going to be right back. All right. Thank you. For residents looking to reduce their household waste and become better recyclers, look no further than the Recycling Coach App, brought to you by Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling. You can access the Recycling Coach App from your desktop computer, mobile device, or through digital assistance. The platform makes it easy for you to get local disposal information for thousands of household items and takes the guesswork out of recycling. Visit tetoncountywy.gov slash recycle for access. Become a better recycler today and download the Recycle Coach app for free. Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling estimates that approximately 3,954 tons of food waste are disposed in the trash right here in Teton County every year. This makes food waste the next frontier material in the quest to achieve our county's goal to reduce waste and recycle more, which will help us aim for zero waste. For more information on Teton County Integrated Solid Waste and Recycling's Curb to Compost Commercial Food Waste Program, visit tetoncountywy.gov slash recycle and join today. 
Welcome back, Brenda, the superintendent for Teton County Integrated Solid Waste and Recycling Department for our county. You ensure that we have a clean and safe community. And we've learned a lot about garbage while we're talking to you. What have I not asked that's fascinating about garbage and what you do in your role that you would like people to know about? I would like people to know, I think that, you know, the personal responsibility that goes with your garbage. I think we talked about at the beginning of the talk that people, once it goes into the garbage can, people don't think it belongs to them anymore. Or maybe that thought process, there's the assumption that somebody's going to come and get this and somebody is going to take care of it. But the reality is the garbage is still yours. It's still your responsibility. And as with the landfill, Teton County owns 14 acres of garbage that we are going to have to manage for a in perpetuity. So that's something that I really want people to be aware of whenever they buy something, thinking about the downstream and the end use of that particular item, I think would be helpful for people to think about what am I going to do with this when I'm done with it? Where does it go? I think we've been fortunate in the West that we haven't allowed our garbage long term. Mm-hmm. We're, we're really lucky, really lucky for that. And you say 14 acres. Is that the space from one end to another or like how deep is that 14 acres? Oh, it depends on where we're measuring. But when we capped the landfill, we moved about 800,000 cubic yards of material off the county property and with our partners, the Forest Service, regraded and capped the landfill. And that's the acreage that is there. I I don't know off the top of my head what the depth of garbage is. I would say at least 30 to 40 feet. That's how, what's the height of a story of a building? 12 feet? 12 feet. So that's almost three and a half feet of garbage. Yes. How many stories are some of these landfills? It depends on the landfill. A lot of a lot of landfills in Wyoming are not very deep. Mm-hmm. They're a story deep or but they're they're acreage wise quite large because we do have a lot of land in the west. Mm-hmm. But other communities, you know, in the east coast, they do anaerobic digestion where they're or they're burning the garbage, they're turning the garbage into fuel. You know, there's other disposal methods that in the West, we just haven't, um, unless it's a very populated area, we haven't really explored. Interesting. What are some of the things that contaminate the garbage, which cause big problems that maybe somebody like, I get it. You're not going to throw in, well, hopefully somebody doesn't throw a can of turpentine in there or, or, you know, paint remover or a can of paint that would contaminate it. But what are some things that would contaminate this, this garbage. Other household cleaners can uh-huh. contaminate the, the garbage, any kind of those automotive fuels. I mean, really, there is a lot whenever it comes to it, dry, dry cleaning fluids. Twinkies? Um, I mean, throw, in a, throw away a box of Twinkies, is that going to contain? No, your box of Twinkies is going to be fine, but your box of Twinkies probably isn't going to degrade. I think we've seen that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But it is the combination that sort of gets that leachate um, 
of all the materials that that go into a landfill and are decomposing. Hmm. Do landfills ever catch on fire or do these trucks carrying stuff? Yes. Um, in fact, at the transfer station um, last year, we had a truck catch on fire. Garbage is very flammable. Hmm. Um, I can actually send you or it, it's on our website um, and on our Facebook page. One, um, our contractor who runs the transfer station is Yellow Iron. And one of their garbage trucks did catch on fire. And it sits around for a few weeks before we it sits do it. around for a few weeks. Yes, that's a good plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they and at first they're why, 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 why? And, and now they get it. They understand it a lot mm-hmm. more about that happening. This is, wow. <laughs> How do they put out a trash fire? Uh, with a with the fire department. Okay. That's how they put out a trash fire. That's how they did it at the transfer station, but uh-huh. also at the landfills, they have to do it the same way. You just right. have to put a lot of water on that on that trash fire. Hmm. But that is one of the reasons why we're so restrictive about what can come to the transfer station and what hmm. can't. It's because we are looking after our infrastructure, our staff, and then down our downstream partners in Bonneville County. Now, with us being a, a big agricultural area with ranchers, horses, cattle, but also the wildlife, I, mean, I see wildlife all the time, especially in the winter on the side of the road that's uh, dead, roadkill. Um, mm-hmm. One time I saw somebody there pulling a dead horse out of somebody's trailer when I was unloading some stuff. What do you guys do with the animal carcasses? The domestic animal carcasses go to Bonneville County and they are considered municipal solid waste. They just Mm -hmm. go to the landfill normally. That wildlife carcasses are not allowed to cross state lines into Idaho because we do have chronic wasting disease in Teton County. We did have a dead animal pit at the transfer station that we would use to bury the animals. We closed that dead animal pit um, in December as part of our cease and transfer orders and um, with our partners at the Forest Service, we had to close the dead animal pit. So now we have a trailer at the transfer station that we put the wildlife carcasses in. Those carcasses are trailered to Sublet County landfill in um, Marbleton and are disposed of at the landfill in Sublet County. And we have a partnership agreement with them to accept wildlife carcasses because there's a concern of chronic wasting disease potentially passing through when it's in trash there is because we just don't know and the prion for chronic wasting disease it, it is it takes a lot to destroy that so you either have to compost it you have to um burn it mm-hmm. and so we do not and and Idaho recently had an incidence of chronic wasting disease in Idaho, not near Bonneville County, but that was the concern is that if we were shipping wildlife carcasses to Bonneville County that had chronic wasting disease, then we would be spreading that prion to Idaho. And you just mentioned something, composting. That's part of your your world as well. And it is. Mm-hmm. You all offered offer composting for food and yard waste. How does a household get their food waste and what type of food waste can be composted? How do they get it to you? Well, right now um, they can use, they can self-haul. 
to the transfer station. We do have a firma. Uh-huh. And they compost, they mix the food waste with the other compostables, the manure, the yard waste, the wood chips, and then it does go, it is composted, and then terra firma sells the organic compost out of um, Evans, the Evans yard south of town. Oh, okay. So it goes back to uses here in the community, that compost. It does, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And... And what about the yard waste? That's all going in there as well. It's all going there as well. So it's all mixed Mm -hmm. in certain ratios. The yard waste, the manure, the food waste, it's all mixed in a certain ratios and composted all together. And how much can dog poop mess up the composting? A lot. We don't like that in the compost either. (laughs) And it's kind of disgusting. So keep your dog poop out of the compost. Yeah. People just need to pick up the dog poop, period. They do. I mean, yes. I've been in, my wife and I went to Cash Creek this past weekend and in the dog leash area or on the ground, there's dog poop everywhere. It's like, how does that happen? Yeah. How do people not pick up after themselves? Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we're, we're really excited about our composting and we're moving into large scale food waste composting, commercial composting. Um, we did get the food depackager delivered. Uh, we purchased the food depackager, which is going to go in our food waste building. And basically what that does is it grinds up the food waste. It removes the contaminants if there are some. Mm-hmm. And then it makes the food um, smaller, smaller pieces. So then it can be put into the compost and composted with the rest of the divertible materials. And are you all receiving some of this stuff from restaurants? We are receiving a little bit right now from restaurants, um, about four tons. Um, but our food waste program, we really need to get our hauling. We have put out an RFP and have hired West Bank Sanitation to haul commercial food waste for us. So we're working through that contracting process right now. And we anticipate that in February, we're going to be Uh, ready to start hauling commercial food waste. And so basically what that'll look like is the restaurants will be able to have a 65-gallon or a 95-gallon bear cart in their restaurant, and they'll be able to put the food waste in there, and then West Bank will come and pick up that food waste on a weekly basis and bring it to our facility. And would grocery stores participate as well? Because they've yeah. got to be a huge contributors. To yeah, they do. They do. And um, it's gonna. we're going to run it very similar to how we do our cardboard route, uh-huh. our cardboard service. If you want food waste, you can call us. We'll bring you the cart. We'll put you on the list and we'll pick up your food waste weekly and we'll send you a bill for it at the end of the month. But our fees for food waste are less than it is to throw it in the garbage. And that's part of the incentive for food waste. Food waste is very heavy. Mm -hmm. So you have an opportunity to save money by composting your food waste versus throwing it away. Because I do charge you more for throwing it away. So at home, in my composter in the backyard, I would only put produce items or eggshells. I'm not going to put meat scraps or trimmings from chicken or, or... a fish head in there. What, are you accepting that in your food waste composting? We are. Really? Yes, we are. We are accepting everything, but like I said, shellfish. So we are looking at, it can be, it can be all food, 
Food Ooh, that can be a game changer. It can. Mm-hmm. And that's the intent. Food waste is so heavy and it's easily compostable. So that is really one of our targets whenever we're talking about being on the road to zero waste and targeting that 60% diversion. Food waste is huge mm-hmm. to meet that goal. And it's something that is easily divertible because if you have a little bucket that sits on your counter, you're scraping your food waste off into there. It's, it's going to make a big impact both for commercial entities as well as residents. Well, I think once when this starts, if anybody's missing their dog, it's probably chasing that food compost truck (laughs) (laughs) down the street. We did have to put a pretty robust fence around the compost facility this last year in order to keep out the one bears as well as, you know, other other critters that want to get into there. But I will tell you that once the compost gets to the right temperature, animals leave it alone because it's too hot for them. What's the temperature it, it reaches, Brenda? Oh, you are going to ask me a, hot, a hard question, aren't you? I don't know. <laughs> You'll have to edit that part out. No, we won't. We're, well, we can, but um, you can send it to us and we'll post it. Hey, did you know that food yes. composting reaches this temperature? Yeah, and compost, I mean, that really is the, the optimal. You're trying to reach that optimal temperature mm-hmm. that breaks down, you know, temperature and moisture to break down the, the materials and make it into soil again and compost. And from my understanding, even in the wintertime, like now it can, as long as it's breaking down and the bacteria is doing what it needs to do, it's still generating heat. That's correct. Mm-hmm. That's correct. You can, our compost piles are not covered in snow. You can see them as you drive by the transfer station. They are warm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we did have to put an elk fence. Um, previous In previous years, we would find elk and other critters bedded down on the compost piles because they are quite warm. Well, it's just like in Yellowstone, they're all laying around with the thermal features. <laughs> yes. It's like, yes. hey, it's nice as Teton County to put this warm blanket here for me. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have thoroughly enjoyed talking about garbage and recyclables, trash fires, composting, dead animals, meat trimmings, take off your plastic stickers of your produce. You handle a lot out there uh, for and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us the crew at ISWR and our contractors we work really hard to keep a tidy place to learn more about Brenda and the Teton County ISWR visit the jacksonholeconnection.com episode number 173 thank you everybody for tuning in and listening keeping us on the air Michael Morey, thank you so much for doing the editing and marketing of every single episode. And thank you to my wife, Laura, my boys, Lewis and William. And yes, today, William turned six and he is one stoked little bugger. Thank you, everybody. And I sure hope to see you next week for the next episode of the Jackson Hole Connection.